When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Williams right to left on the midcourt. Smith pressuring him out there. One poor look. Here comes Casey from a double stagger. Puts it up on the way. Got it! Got it! Got it! Got it! <laughs> 34 to 30, Nebraska by four. Casey Tolinaga. Another Central Valley. Hey, <laughs> three in the 6 0 run. Here's Casey. Pass Weinberg. The other way. Lisa Duffin. And off the window. How about the Huskers? And now on the right side, it's Williams. Screen for him by Alec. Rejects the screen. Dancing around into Alec. Puts it up and in. Puts it up and in. You can start to smell it. Get a stop now, boys. 82 to 70. Nebraska by a dozen. Slicing and dicing the Purdue defense. Nebraska from the high post and passes by Alec. And you hear the Go Big Red chant. Get this ball in bounds. Let this, let this crowd storm the floor, baby. Gillis into Braden Smith. Five, four, three, two, one. And for the first time in 41 years, Nebraska knocks off the top-ranked team in the country, and they are storming the floor. They are storming <laughs> the floor. They are storming the floor. I love it. Sign your name, Fred Hoiberg. There's your signature win. They're partying here in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> what madness. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Unbelievable. 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 Oh, my goodness. This is pandemonium. Good morning. Welcome into Hurt Out Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live from the Hurt Out Sports Bar and Grill. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. What up? And we are smiling. We are leading the show with something I don't think I've ever led a show with before. And that is Nebraska basketball. Oh, I thought we were talking Little League Baseball. Absolutely. No. What, what, what uh, was I doing in notes last <laughs> night? <laughs> they... Had, I mean, you could make the argument, it's certainly the biggest win in modern Nebraska ball history. Easily. Um, you'd have to go before my lifetime, I think, to get one bigger than that. I mean, you've got some where, you know, you go back to 2013, 2014 when they made the NCAA tournament. There was a no-sit Sunday. It was kind of a they have to win to feel good about getting in. They win. It was an amazing performance. Uh, but this is the number one team in the country. And this isn't a 
this isn't a preseason like last year. If you had beaten North Carolina at the beginning of the year, they were technically the number one team in the country. But they didn't that act and play like the number one team. Exactly. In the that wasn't a very good number one team in the country in North Carolina. We're halfway through the year. Purdue has been incredible. They lost one game in overtime to a conference opponent prior to last night. Remember, Purdue was also in the Maui Invitational where they played like two top ten teams. Yeah, the Maui Invitational was insane, and they swept through it. And then not just this year, but you go back to last year. This is not a flash-in-the-pan Purdue team either. They were a number one seed. I know they got knocked off. They were a number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year. This has been a very good program for a while, and they were a legitimate number one in the country. And Nebraska not only won, but if you remove yourself from the, from the moment for a second – they were in control for pretty much that entire game. They kept Purdue at arm's length for almost that entire game. There were a couple stretches in the second half. I think the closest it ended up getting was 51-50. Uh, Purdue, did Purdue take a lead in the second half? Oh, man. Briefly. You're, I think you're, they you're brief- testing me now. I think they briefly did in that after it went 51-50. Maybe? I, I think it went back and forth a couple times, but... The way Nebraska, I think so. I think there were a few minutes where it went back and you know forth. You know what's great about uh, I'll say let's, ha- let's having like guys like Sheamus and uh, Rob yes. send us stats after games. Uh, we can find out how many lead changes there were, and uh, by just pulling up the stat sheet, the PDF, it is. Two. There were two lead changes. It does not tell me when they happened. Yeah, um, I'd have to look at the play-by-play, which I'm not going to try and do while we're talking on the air. But, yes, I, I mean, two lead changes is incredibly low yes. for a matchup uh, that Purdue is, is, is in. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, ne- but the point is Nebraska essentially had, had total control, control of the game the entire time mm-hmm. i know it felt nerve-wracking because as a as somebody who's followed not just nebraska basketball but nebraska sports you expect a shoe to drop at some point you're kind of just waiting especially in the last decade right you're waiting for the bad thing to happen and i gotta tell you nebraska's on a pretty good run here of the good things happening both in basketball and in football this was, I mean, we saw it, Matt on the, on the uh, Twitter stream says this is by far the best win in their history. They essentially dominated that game. And that's kind of my point here. This wasn't a, this didn't feel like a fluky win by any means. Didn't feel like a fluke, didn't fluke, didn't feel like a sweat. And look, I'll tell you this too. You mentioned like you were kind of waiting for that moment where Nebraska was just going to crumble. And I think that moment came early in the second half when Purdue mm-hmm. started making threes again. They went on their run. But the difference here is, and the reason why all of last night I wasn't um, ever feeling uh, a panicky state is because Nebraska found ways to still get their points while Purdue was getting more points, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because they had that 11-point buffer at half, they were able to allow a 13-5 run, whatever it was, for Purdue to open the half yep. and still feel comfortable that they weren't out of the game yet. Yeah, they still that have Purdue the lead. wasn't taking yeah. over. And because that feeling was there, 
that's why I never felt at any point that that lead, even if it got relinquished for a point or two, wasn't going to get relinquished by, by game's end. And you mentioned, too, that you don't think this win was a fluke. So, real quick, Purdue didn't take a lead in the second half. 51-50 was the closest that it got. Okay, so only first half. And, and think about it, too. Those lead changes probably happened when it was, like, 12-10 to 10 and, like, 16-14. Yeah, I think both teams were pre-30 points when it happened, but just scrolling through here. So you mentioned that it wasn't a fluke, and, and, you know, I'm totally with you. Nebraska is built to be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I mean, we heard Fanta say it when he came on with us before the season. But I, I, I'm more looking at it because I needed to see it. Mm-hmm. Like, Fanta... I mean, he's a genius. He's a, he's a basketball he, that, genius. That was, that was one of his better calls I've heard him make. And, and a very bold one yeah. at that. To, to, to I claim, thought this was an NIT team. Well, yeah, to I, claim that Nebraska's like yeah. officially back, that's pretty bold to say after you know you, you kind of saw what they did in the offseason and, and flipped over a ton of things. It's not Derek Walker, Sam Greasel anymore. It's like five new players in, or four new players in Kese Tominaga. Yeah, I was, so, I was really concerned about Walker and Greasel. I really was. But it, you, you look at how they carry themselves, their demeanor, their body language, their confidence. They stand on business. And – you can see that they're an NCAA tournament team, not only based on how they, they talk after a win like that, but how they experience the court rushing as mm-hmm. well. Like, they didn't get wrapped up in that moment. They enjoyed that moment, but it wasn't like they're a 16 seed taking down a one in the NCAA tournament where they're like, we're this Cinderella team. This Nebraska team doesn't believe they're a Cinderella. They believe they're the real deal, and they're showing that they're the real deal too. They kind of just shook it off and said, Nope, we know what we are. We know, we know what we can do. And other teams, whether it's in the Big Ten, um, non-con, or, or you know, tournament teams that happen to see Nebraska at some point, this is a scary team to play against. You don't oh, want to play yeah. against this team. Because even when it's not going incredibly uh, right for Nebraska, like let's say Wisconsin. Wisconsin was making everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Nebraska didn't play bad. No, they, they shot the ball very well. Defensively, they weren't good enough. Yeah, but they, overall, weren't, they weren't physical enough. Overall, but, they weren't bad. But they will out-physical you 95% of games. 95% of games this season, Nebraska will out-physical their opponent. I don't even know if that's like a, a, a word, out-physical. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. They will bully you. They will completely, completely tear you down. Why did Edie have two points in the first half? Not just because he started to get in a little bit of foul trouble, but because Rank Mast was – look, he needs more credit. Like, I don't think nationally Rank Mast is getting enough credit. We give him a ton. But Rank is disruptive. He has great footwork. He, uh, his form uh, as he defends is just beautiful. Like, he's, the, he's kind of like a, a little Ryan Kalkbrenner-esque. He may not be the shot blocker, but in terms of, of form, straight-up form, good defense, like that, that's kind of what you get out of rink. He's a little more mobile, I think. He can get out to the perimeter faster than Kalk could, but that's just because Kalk is so much taller and his length is, is what saves him a lot of times in, in shot-blocking opportunities. But rink taking down... Zach Eady in that game, completely taking him out of the game, and then also the double team that you saw down low to force Eady to move out instead of in. I mean, the game plan was incredible. So that's the part that I want to talk about was the game plan. Like, obviously, Mass did a great job on him, but the game plan to kind of swarm Eady was an incredible 
it was executed at an incredibly high level. It was not just the fact that they were able to bother Edie, but the fact that they were able to bother Edie and then recover out to everyone else. Like, yes, there were some open shots for Purdue that they didn't knock down, but they shot the ball 40% from three. It's not like 39.4, excuse me, 39.4% for three. That's a good number. It's not like they went ice cold on wide open threes and just couldn't throw it in the ocean. You'll take 39.4% on 33-3 attempts pretty much every night. Now, Nebraska shot 60% from three. They shot out of their mind. Is that good? Which is the only real outlier here, I feel well, like. Casey couldn't miss. This was one of those Casey games that well, he showed up Casey and-, and Wilcher had huge shots. And I-, I will say, the one we're going to forget about, Josiah Alec in the corner hit yeah. an enormous three. Well, when he made it, I go, this guy can shoot the and- long ball? <laughs> And so did Juwan Gary. They were kind of in the similar stretch. Yes. And I Gary's think Gary's bucket. came first. I thought it was a two because I couldn't – I didn't think he was in the corner, of, of the far corner. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it very well. But they gave him the three on it. That one and the, and the Alec one were enormous. But we call those put-away points. The game that the, – the game plan for Edie was execu- – first of all, was – the right game plan, and then it was executed in a way that allowed them to – I mean, listen, he had 15 points and seven rebounds. You look at that and you go, oh, that's a pretty good game. He averages like 22 and 10. So if you can hold Zach Eady to 15 and 7, you did an incredible job. And they really did. Mass played incredibly well. He ends up uh, with uh, 18 points. He didn't lead scores. Uh, Tominaga had 19. But – the way that he was able to both defend Edie, but what I was, what I think is a real problem for Purdue, is a guy like Mast who is a is a little too quick for Edie. Mast is not even the quickest big he's probably going to face this year, but obviously you can't match up Edie size for size, right? Like that person just doesn't exist in college basketball and barely exists in the NBA, but you can make it really uncomfortable for him in terms of his athleticism and quickness because that's a place where he can be beat. And I thought Mass did a really good job of that. You saw a baseline spin early that got – His baby hook is – I mean, just it, – it's a touch of grace. It, it, it really is. But he, he had a baseline spin early that Edie couldn't keep up with. And you got to the point where they were ha- – Purdue was having to send help on Mast – because Edie was having a hard time staying in front of him or behind him on a post-up, however you want to put it, but staying between Mast and the basket. So being able to expend that much energy on both ends of the floor against what most people are going to vote likely as the National Player of the Year in Zach Edie was an incredible performance from Rink Mast. And I will say one of the other things that makes me that I really enjoyed about this game was I've been, and he's been playing like this for a little bit now, but I've been waiting for this version of C.J. Wilcher for a while. He came out of high school with this reputation of being an incredible shooter. He didn't play much at Xavier, which is where I kind of got familiar with him in the Big East. And you're kind of waiting on this guy. I think he was a four-star coming out of high school. He didn't really have a lot of time last year, though, because his 
I think his role kind of like if, if say he got ten minutes, it, it, it like by season's end he was getting like seven eight minutes. Yeah, his role has not been consistent at Nebraska. He hasn't consistently been able to knock down shots, and his numbers have been. Like, the percentages have been okay, but it didn't feel like there was a guy you could rely on mm-hmm. when you needed him to make shots. Man, when Purdue really locked in on Tominaga for most of that second half, Wilcher came through huge. He was 4 for 5 from the field, 16 points, 3 of 4 from three-point range, and did not record a single other stat except for a, a single personal foul. But... That's exactly what they needed out of C.J. Wilcher as a floor spacer, as a guy that could make shots, that he was one of the reasons. You mentioned that run Purdue had early in the second half. He was one of the big reasons why Nebraska was able to punch back and get that lead back out to six, seven points after it got down to one. And really, that's kind of where it sat. Purdue didn't get much closer than six points for the last 10 or so minutes of the game, Nebraska did a really good job of keeping them at arm's length. And then by the time you got to the finishing time, Purdue looked out of gas. Like they looked like they had run out of steam trying to overcome multiple double digit leads and they didn't have anything left. And Nebraska did. And it ended up being one of the cooler moments. I mean, there's been a few handful of cool moments over the last like sports calendar year for the University of Nebraska. Unfortunately, not very many of them came on the football field. But you got Volleyball Day in Nebraska, which is untouchable in terms of its magnitude. But this might be the biggest win in Nebraska program history. It's certainly in the top handful. And the way that you saw PBA last night react to what happened you see Matt Rule rushing the court with fans which like which is anybody shocked by that no but the more this guy exists the more just like I love this dude Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I said this before the season every time I heard a presser and now every time he talks well because his values don't just they're not just with the football team he genuinely value in life this is who he is that's how he carries himself yeah he doesn't say OOU and say this is only a football thing no no, this is a Nebraska. He's going thing. to wrestling matches before Nash Huttmacher was on the team. He's going to to volleyball when he's not exhausted from the game that he just coached. He's going to men's basketball. He's support. He's about, and it's not just the university. He's about Nebraska. That's why I love Matt Rule because I'm about where I'm from, right? Where I, I come from. <laughs> There's corn, bread, and chicken. No, I'm good. Um, I'm a like not an Alan Jackson fan. No, I I, I don't listen. Whoa. I don't listen to a lot of. Country. That was a quick no there, Shane. Did you hear that? I could go for that. Some. Was a, that was a little disgusting. I could go for some I, corn, I bread, and chicken. I just don't listen to country. Just, it's not. Yeah, a, that was disgusting, Mike. I, you disgust me, Robbie. Yeah, you disgust me. Yeah, country blasphemy. Country disgusts me a little bit. Um, well, that's. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever used the word blasphemy. Um, on probably in, in it doesn't it doesn't come up a lot. Well, it does when you're Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Well, that's true, uh, but that—that's one of the things that I love the most about Nebraska, about Matt Rule is, and I talked about this in 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 the difference between him and and Scott Frost is even though Scott Frost was from here, Matt Rule is more of one of us than Scott Frost ever felt, and I don't want to make this about Matt Rule, but it was really cool to see him charging the court uh, like the rest of the fans here. What, how about Sam Hoiberg's um, just yes. not, not not just his his dominance 
because like I, I want to call it dominance because the way he plays is so scrappy. I feel like he's such a dominant player dominance for, for, for his role. Yeah. For his role, I think he's a dominant, scrappy player. So I let me say let, let me put an adjective <laughs> in front of scrappy player and let that be dominant. Let it be that, Ravi, because the yeah. way that he's playing and the way that he's embraced his role at Nebraska is also a little C.J. Wilcher-esque uh, because Sam, it's tough. It's tough to play for your parent. Oh, sure, uh, yeah. In, in all cases. I never played for my parent, but I know people that have, and they always say it. I mean, let, uh, not just to make this a, a Creighton example, but it's it's – it's pretty timely. When Doug McDermott came back and spoke, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, it wasn't easy playing for my dad. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't have changed it. Yeah. And I think that's how Sam would, would say it too. And just how he's developed and grown into the player that he is because he wasn't a high recruit. No. Like, and, a lot mean, of, and look, we can just call it how it is. Like he got his spot on the team because his dad's the coach. Yeah. So like he's there. But some, sometimes you have to make the most of your moment, and that's what Sam Hoiberg does. The way he gets to the rack, the way he sees the floor. He may not take the best shots all the time, but defensively he is absolutely incredible because he moves. He's, he's never taken tired and if there's an open guy on the floor he will run across the court to go guard that man like that's just the type of guy the type of player the type of teammate he is and you can't you can't teach scrappy sometimes you just have to be scrappy mm-hmm. and that's Sam Hoiberg yeah I wouldn't use the term dominant I would use the term impactful he's incredibly impactful no he's dominant he's a in- dominant scrappy player <laughs> Yeah, hard pass there. Um, Sam Hoiberg is incredibly impactful in what he's asked to do. And he's sort of, I think he's a real embodiment of what this team has turned out to be in the sense of we've talked a lot about before how this team fits and makes sense together in a way that a lot of Fred Hoiberg's earlier teams at Nebraska didn't really. You didn't really have guys that wanted to be role players before. You didn't really have guys that would accept their role on the team before. It was a lot of transfers. That's why this team is is built to be a, it's a why deep tournament run team. So much better than his previous teams have been is because you have a team that actually makes sense in a basketball wise in a basketball sense and not just on paper. And Sam Hoiberg's a great example of that. And I do think he's more talented than people give him credit for because he, you know, he's a walk-on. He's the coach's kid, and he, he looks like a walk-on, like with the headband yeah. and oh, the, you know. He, he 100% looks like he does not belong. Yeah, he looks like a team manager, like he does. Like that's what that's the look, but he's a good basketball player. You don't play 24 minutes against the number one team in the country and score nine points. I mean, his he's got like the perfect glue guy line, right? Nine points. Two rebounds, three assists, three steals, no turnovers. And the two that stick out the most to you are those steals and breakaway fast breaks where he's all alone and finishes by himself in front of the Purdue defense. He is incredibly impactful in what they ask him to do. And honestly, they probably don't win last night without his contributions. That was how impactful he was. Now, We've kind of buried the lead a little bit here because we haven't talked that much about Tomonaga. And he deserves to be talked about. He deserves more time than we have left in this segment. So I'm going to have you hold that thought right there. There's also there's something I said on Twitter that last night that people freaked out a little bit about, but I want to explain what I meant. We'll get to that and more. We'll also set up the show at some point probably here. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. I'm Robbie Lula. It's Andrew Rogers. We are live 
from Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. You can also join us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always be, be a part of the show. You can give us a call at 888-638-4876. That's the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. Coming up next, we will set up the show, and we'll get into Kase Tominaga's impact here on Herd at Sports Radio.